The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Rack and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is a newscast for episode 185 for the week of October 26th, uh, 2020. Alex, we're here in person. How are you we doing are. this week? I am well. How are you, Rob? I can't complain. Everything's good. It's getting a little bit cold. It's it's almost it like is. winter here right now. It is almost like winter. I think, um, is it Sunday into Monday? It's going to be a low of five. That's cold. That is cold. Yeah, that's cold. Hopefully you've... Um, You've winterized, uh, yep. you know, blown out your sprinklers, uh, drained them, all that kind of stuff. Uh, un- remove the hose from remove the faucet. Your, outside. Remove your hose. Yeah. yeah. Big tips. Yep. Um, so in the spirit of this last week, Alex, I've decided that whenever I don't want to hear what you're saying, I'm going to mute you. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only problem is the listeners won't be able to hear it, but I will still hear you uh, ranting and raving in the background well, it, it, as I do my muting. I think it's similar to uh, the debate this week. Um, very, we're trying to be topical here, guys. Yes. This is a uh, we are recorded in real time, and you're listening to us in the real October. I think um, instead of that, uh, well, you can you can mute me while we do this, but you should edit in the the stackhawk cacaw <laughs> instead of whatever <laughs> I, just, I say. Just basically, of, bleep you with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not bad. Hey, why don't we talk about some housekeeping? All right, let's do it. So, uh, Rob, did you have a Slack channel? A what? Yes, uh, Slack. It is a um, it's a messaging is that you like know, Microsoft chat Teams kind of. It, it is like Microsoft Teams, except uh, sort of functional. Oh, um, shots uh, fired! Uh, we have over sixteen hundred people in that Slack uh, workspace, and we would love for you to join us there. So, go to Colorado-Security.com and click on the Slack link and join us. Uh, we also have a mailing list. We would love it if you would sign up to our mailing list and you will get very, very infrequent emails. Once a week, we send out our show notes and we are debating sending out a email to our mailing list telling you all to go vote for the CISO of the year on the Apex Awards. Yeah. But we haven't done that yet. You know, that would be be the first time we have used it for anything other yeah. than sending out the the one email a week. Yeah, well, th- you do have to get your nomination in. I think it's by the 31st. So there's just a couple more days. There are just a couple um, more days. Go get your nomination in for your favorite CISO. We want to make sure we get recognized there at the uh, Apex Awards coming up, which has been pushed to February, by the way. And w- when Rob says we, he doesn't mean like, you know, him and I. I mean, while we like being recognized, we mean the... The security leader community. Recognized. We want to make sure that the the security community is represented in uh, in at the Apex Awards. That's what I meant. Yep. Exactly. Uh, we would also love it if you subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcatcher and rate us while you're there. Uh, you could also tell a friend if you like the podcast. Actually, if you don't like the podcast, you can tell a friend to say all kinds of terrible things in it, but make it sound like we're kind of controversial, it's, so that maybe they'll want to listen. The uh, all press is good press. Yeah, that all press thing. is good press. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, we also have a, a Patreon campaign. If you'd like to support us financially, uh, go out to the website as well, and we have a Patreon link. You can uh, sign up there and and help us uh, cover the costs of the show. And you know, depending on the level you sign up for, you might get some cool stuff like a T-shirt. All right, let's let's skip the last one. I'm tired of talking about that. All right. Uh, hey, there's some news this week. What? Um, after 21 years, uh, the Pepsi Center is no more. Yeah. Um, They've it's, just they're, demolished. They're it. knocking well, it down. Sort of you know. You know, it's COVID. They're not using it. So just get rid of it. Um, too much rent. But for real, what are they doing, Alex? Uh, so um, it is no longer going to be called the Pepsi Center. There's a new agreement uh, with Ball Corp. It is going to be the Ball Arena. So we'll have a Dick Stadium and Ball Arena, right? <laughs> what are they, a quarter mile away from each other? <laughs> a little more than a quarter mile. But, you know, in, in the, the, the grand scheme of the earth, it's probably close enough. 
So, so the, uh, the, the arena will now be called ball arena. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I, I read the article thinking basically I would have got everything I needed to know from the headline, but actually there was some interesting stuff in there as well. Um, this didn't start off as a naming rights negotiation between ball and Cronky sports, which, which owns the Pepsi center. Um, it started off talking about how ball could be the sustainability partner for the arena. Um, you know, if we talked about on the show a couple of different times that the ball has created these aluminum, uh, single use cups that are like, Yep. Super easily recyclable. They started using it at CU games, and, and now they're using it at Broncos games. The intention of this is that Ball is going to make sure that those single-use cups are um, used at all of the Kroenke uh, facilities, which includes the Ball Arena here in Denver. Um, and they're also going to really do work hard to to make it a really se- seamless way for people to, to get those cups while they're there, recycle them, and they'll be back in production. I think they said like 60 days later or something crazy like that. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make it a an actual closed-loop system. So you know it goes into Pepsi Center, comes back, right back to Ball, and then you get new cups out of it. So that's pretty cool. Um, I, I thought the sustainability part was really neat too. Um, and then, you know, also the fact that they are, they're not just doing it at the, uh, new ball arena, but they're also doing it at the other, um, places like SoFi field in LA. Um, the name of the one in where Arsenal plays in, yeah. in England, which I forget the name. Um, you know, it's not owned by Anschutz, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, I thought that part was pretty cool too. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Uh, exciting to see. And you know, I, I'm excited to, to see our new ball arena overlords. Pepsi is not a Denver company, so I'm that's true. Get out of here. Pepsi will still be the official drink of the, yeah. uh, of you're the not going to be buying arena. your, you're not going to buy a Coke when no, you go to no, you're one of those. All right. Next. Um, there is a new flight sharing startup that's, uh, helping people get on uh, chartered planes. So Alex, have you ever, have you ever used Uber? I have used Uber. Have you, have I've you, also used Lyft. Ha, have you ever been like, man, I sure wish I had Uber for my chartered flights that I do? Yes, because I am on a chartered flight all the time. Yeah, and it could bring it could bring like that chartered flight cost. I assume usually you're spending somewhere in the twenty five to thirty thousand dollars per flight range. Yes, it can bring that down to about a tenth of that if you get enough friends to do it with you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So obviously this is not for people like us who fly on Southwest. You know, when we're excited to see those thirty nine dollar uh, emails coming into our inbox. I only fly when I can get the thirty nine dollar fares, Rob. That's it. <laughs> but but this is a it's a pretty cool thing, and it's and of course we're talking about it because it's a Denver company or a Colorado. Company, yeah, not, not they're at a, at a steamboat actually uh, called Shared Charter. Uh, a steamboat, of course, is uh, up in the mountains where the the rich folks li- folks like to fly into. Um, so this is a pretty good opportunity where where people who want to have the the convenience of a chartered flight, you know, la- no TSA, you know, you know, get your bags immediately um, without having to spend that that premium to to do it. Yeah, and also to help make the process easier, you know, if someone um, is already flying a charter and they have an extra seat, you can jump in there with them, um, and you know. Hopefully there's someone famous and you get a, a cool experience as well as paying your, you know, exorbitant amount for a chartered flight, even though it's less than a full flight. Um, but, you know, cool stuff like that. I, I assume that if you're a pilot, you could sign up, you know, on this as like the, you know, hey, I got a flight I'm going to be doing type of a yeah, type maybe. of thing. So and I know a lot of people in the security world are pilots. So maybe, maybe. this maybe this is a possibility. Yeah, pretty cool. Take a look. Check it out. All right. Next, um, the Osiris Rex. Uh, mission to an, an asteroid to pick up asteroid dust uh, appears to have been a success. And this is being run by Lockheed Martin here in Littleton. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. There's there's a, a great space industry here in Colorado. You know, obviously we got Space Force headquarters here, um, but Lockheed ha- has their headquarters for this mission um, out in Jefferson County. And, and, and really, this is, this is one of the, the 
the neat um, missions we've had in the last several years because uh, this is the largest amount of material they've taken from anything um, other than the, other than the moon. Um, and when I was excited to see how much it was, it was about 60 grams. And I don't know if you know how much that is, but it's very, very little. I, I snort that much every day, Rob. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's the, what's the name of that? Um, oh man, that anti-cold medicine people take to, that's kind of fake. Um, uh, I don't, yes, I know what you're talking about, but anyway. Yeah, I really won that. I, I, I feel I feel like this is really going well. Good comeback there. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I thought that the, you know, just in general, the whole mission is cool. I mean, obviously cooler because it, it's being run out of Colorado and, you know, the folks flying it are here. But, you know, they sent this spacecraft out into space, landed it on an asteroid, and then uh, used an arm and sort of a, a, a gas gun to push this uh, asteroid dust into a little container. Now they're going to bring it back. So in order to avoid the flood of emails we would get, I will say they did not land on the asteroid. They did what's called a touch and go. Yeah. Where I believe they didn't actually stop, right? They're, they continued and just kind of brushed up against it as they went. And they fire some canister off to to get all get the 60 grams of dust in there. Right. Um, and a quarter of that dust is going to be coming back to Colorado. Yeah, that is pretty cool. But the other quarter, I think they're going to lose on the way back. Or the <laughs> other three three quarters, I mean. Yeah, you know, it'll, it'll probably burn up in uh, coming through the atmosphere. Or anyway, something. cool stuff. Uh, exciting to see. Obviously, I, you know, as tech geeks, we all find space travel to be pretty awesome. Um, and it's cool to know that this was successful. Uh, we have... Uh, a company name change. So we, I think we all know who Survey Gizmo is. Um, they do surveys, but they do so much more, um, and that's as why they have changed their name. You know, after more than a decade, um, they have changed their name to Alchemer, um, and and Alchemer, of course, uh, it does all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, you know, it was an interesting quote in the article. Um, the the CEO said that there's two things wrong with our name: Survey and Gizmo. Yeah, and so that was you know part of the reason for for the change there. Obviously. If you are doing things that are outside of that, maybe people will be confused. Yeah, they, they also they do survey, of course, but they also do workflow and audience communication, um, analytic tools, uh, really to, to help all of our enterprises really do a lot more voice of their customer type interactions. So stuff that you know I didn't know they even did. Um, that, a couple other really interesting things here. Um, while they, they had a slight dip in business at the beginning of the pandemic, they said, but uh, since then they've actually posted record sales in August and September. So not only have they you know come back from their dip, but they're they're uh, they're growing gangbusters. Yeah. So you know, folks that are working only online now need more of this survey and workflow and other automation pieces. Um, they they are a, a company up. What is it? They just moved recently from Boulder to Louisville, I believe, um, and they have about 120 employees in town. And and uh, interestingly enough, they're all bootstrapped. They don't they don't have uh, investments from outside the company. They're growing because they're profitable and uh, sustainably. Pretty cool. And congrats on the name change. All right. Uh, next, uh, Zeo Group is getting a new CEO. Dan Caruso is stepping down and joining the company's board. Uh, Taking his place is uh, Steve Smith, very successful NBA player. If I if, yeah. I, if I have my Steve Smith correct, yeah, you know, uh, also uh, a famous receiver in the NFL for, yeah. for the Panthers. He's, he's done a lot. He's yeah, done, he's done a lot. Although I guess yeah. that was Steve Smith Senior for the Panthers, so maybe this is Steve Smith Junior. It's, it's know, really why. hard to keep or track senior, of, senior. Of, of what Steve Smith's done. He's done a lot of good stuff. Um, apparently, most recently, though, he was a managing director for the um, private equity firm GI Partners. 
Um, of course, he's going to come over and, and run Zayo. If you remember recently, Zayo uh, was acquired by a different private equity firm. So they've really changed their form. But uh, the, the intention is that they're going to continue to grow and be a, a world, a, a big force in the world around telecommunications. I also noted that Steve Smith uh, was CEO of Equinix, I think, for about 10 years. And I mean, Equinix, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, well, Equinix, obviously a very similar industry to, yep. to Zayo, and it makes a lot of sense that his experience there would have made him a great fit for this. And just so everyone knows, we know this is a different Steve Smith. Um, this is this is the Stephen A. Smith, who's a commentator on ESPN. So, exactly. so we don't need that flood of emails on that either, all right? Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, ABS Capital Partners, Goldman Sachs, uh, have invested in Deepwatch. So Deepwatch is a company that you know, kind of came on us um, by yeah. surprise not too long ago. Um, they were a rebrand from another company that uh, Guide, Guide Point. Point. Right? Yeah, one of the Guide Point yes. uh, um, branches. But they're an MSSP, and they, they say that their headquarters is here in Denver. Um, and they recently took on, what was it, another uh, $53 million in capital. Uh, and just to be fair... They're, they don't have a headquarters. Their de facto headquarters is here. They are all remote, but they have a number of people here. And so they've they've said that Denver is basically our headquarters, even yeah. though we're not technically headquarters. So there. we're going to claim them. We're going to claim them. We'll, we'll take it. Um, so they, they got this $53 million, and they're planning to use that investment um, to further develop their cloud security platform and expand their partner, e partner ecosystem. Um, they, they recently uh, said they're also going to have a lot more headcount they're going to hire, including here in Denver. And uh, speaking of headcount, I don't know that we've ever had anyone from DeepWatch on the show. So if uh, if you're at DeepWatch and you want to be interviewed for Colorado Equal Security, we'd, we'd love hard to talk hitting to you. questions though. We're going to ask hard yes. questions like, "What like, are you watching?" and, and "What is your you so name?" <laughs> uh, why are you talking to me? Hey, we have two things from Ping this week. First, uh, Ping had a press release because they got won a couple of cool awards. Um, so they they were recently named the. Uh, one one of the Denver top workplaces, which I totally agree with. I and you know, I've worked there for almost five years, and I think it's a fantastic place to work. Denver Business Journal has recognized us once again as yeah. a top workplace. But but that that's kind of you know every year, lots of companies pick for that. Uh, but this year, um, the 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 one uh, most admired CEO is Andre Durand. Andre is uh, my boss over at Ping, the CEO and, and the founder of Ping, um, and rightly recognized as a as a great leader and uh, most like I said most admired this year by the Denver Business Journal. That is pretty cool. Um, I, every time I have met and talked with Andre, he's been awesome. So I would imagine that he is uh, a pretty good boss and good you know, reason to be admired. It's, it's, he does cool stuff with business, but he's also like awesome in a community. Uh, his, his wife and he do this uh, um, court appointed, oh man, advocate court appointed advocate it's called casa basically yeah. we're like like kids who kids who's you know have really tough family situations and, and need someone to go to the court and, and help them with cases and work through the system um, they do that and like that's in addition to being you know running a, a public company and all this stuff anyway super respect the guy not only for personal but um or excuse me professional but also personal stuff yeah pretty cool uh congrats to ping and congrats to andre uh next we have a, a, a blog from ping uh jeremy miller is writing and this is about the SSO practitioner's introduction to decentralized identity. And Rob, I don't get it. We've been trying all this time to centralize identity. Yeah. Why are we decentralizing identity? Yeah. So, so they, it's it's a really interesting model. And and, and Ping recently um, is announced a new offering here. So of course, that's, this is why there's a, a a blog post about it. But uh, I'll talk you through what what the perspective is and, and why we think this is important. You know, the the first wave of identity. Um, Kind of as you know, everyone's controlling stuff, and, and it gets super painful when you're, um, 
when you're, when you're having to, to sign in to every different site independently. Um, second wave being when we get, got this centralized identity where you can sign in one time and it federates everywhere, but it's controlled by someone else. It's controlled by Microsoft or Google or mm-hmm. Ping or a, a single sign-on. Yeah, single. Well, it's, single you know. sign-on is a great function for sure, but the but the challenge is who runs it. So if, if you're right. using your Google, your Gmail account to sign into things, well, Google is the one who has all your information, and Google makes a heck of a lot of money by selling that information about what you're doing. They um, do not, Rob. I do not believe that. <laughs> I know. Breaking news, everybody. Uh, so the, the this next wave, this decentralized identity, is where you control your identity and you can use it in a centralized fashion. So you you have this claim on your on your device, you know, call it your phone in this case. Um, that's gonna it's gonna say, hey, I'm Rob, and by the way, I have these this uh, these claims from the state of Colorado that says I'm allowed to drive here. I have a claim from Ping Identity that says I'm employed there. I have a claim from my university that says I, I got my degree from there, and I'm able to to share these claims wherever I want to with what, whatever degree of granularity I want to, not whatever degree of granularity um, some third party says. Right. Um, so a great example of how this works is if you if you walk into a bar. Um, and, and, and they, they want to know a, a rabbi, a Catholic yeah. priest and right. But yeah. before they got in, the people wanted to know that they were 21 and I could submit my, my identity and say, all I would say is here's my proof. I'm over 21. You don't get to see my driver's license with my weight, which is a little bit embarrassing for me. And you don't get to see my eye color, which is important that I hide from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you just get to see that I'm over 21 and that that's what the, you know, owning your own identity and doing it in this decentralized way kind of gives you a lot of privacy, security, uh, a lot of different use cases that I didn't get into, but that's kind of high level. Yeah, and the embarrassing part about that, Rob, is clearly that on your license it says you're a lot lighter than you actually are. Right. Well, totally, it, it really does. It's very, it's very embarrassing for people to know how much I lied. Uh, anyway, I, I really like this blog. It, it was very interesting. That, that, you know, they break down the uh, the tenants that you have to use for decentralized identity, and, and you know, at a high level how it works. So, um, if you want to know more about it, or you didn't know about it and want to know something about it, it's definitely a good thing to to take a look at. Uh, next, we have a uh, blog post by Red Canary. They had a bunch this week. To, to, it was hard to pick between. Um, I picked this one because I thought this was the one that I would most like to be using at work. Um, they, there's a tool called Surveyor, which is a uh, open source tool that I think that Red Canary developed. Um, that they actually have this blog post is written by one of their customers, a customer who who picked this up up this open source tool and started using it and described um, how to use it and what it does. Um, th- so that it was written by Grover uh, Mewborn. Um, who is at, let me get the company right, a company called CoStar, real estate um, company called CoStar. Um, and he just talks through how you, how they use this tool to get a lot of great uh, telemetry and information around their organization. Yeah, it, the tool sounds really cool. And uh, the way that they that this company has implemented it um, also sounded really cool. You know, you can use it, say you have a, um, you know, a file that gets dropped somewhere that is, you know, part of ransomware. You could then use this to check to see if you have that file other places, uh, you know, things like that. It reminds me of uh, what, what's the Facebook thing, um, the tool that they developed to go query things. OS query. OS, oh, yeah. Yeah. OS query. Um, Very similar. But, it's, you know, it but queries it's, things. But the OS difference query. is it's, yeah. using, it's using the information you already have from your EDR tool. Yes. So you're, you're not having yep. to go deploy a new agent right, to exactly. pull these things out. Uh, Functionality-wise, yeah. I mean. Functionality-wise, yeah. You're trying to find out this other information. So it, yep. that, that was pretty cool. And, you know, if someone is not um, – you know, in your EDR tool or familiar with the EDR tool, they can use this in a much easier way to get information yeah. like that. Looks like command line, mostly looks like Python type stuff. Anyway, yep. good stuff. And our final news for this week, uh, there is a blog post from Coalfire talking about getting around the cybersecurity talent shortage 
and this actually is focusing, I think, a little bit on on the leadership part of uh, talent shortage. Yeah. So so uh, this is one that kind of aligns with a coast uh, a coal fire offering around virtual CISO, and they're talking about what are the what are the use cases where this makes sense. Um, to use this kind of service. Um, I'd say, first of all, this is a high-end service, so you're not talking about you know going in and pushing tickets through or doing security analytics work. Right. Uh, they're looking for more strategic work on this, and they identify three places that companies might want that. Starting with, um, if you're looking for a senior security leader who to deal with external stakeholders like regulators or your customers. Or I think they, they talk about the board potentially as well there, right? Um, you know, or second, you know, someone who can come in and, and do some security program leadership, either in an interim fashion or, you know, if you don't yeah. quite have that that position inside. And then finally, uh, some leader who can uh, kind of work with your mid-level uh, internal stakeholders to give them direction around security and, and give them the, the, the tactical guidance on how to go implement security throughout the organization. So a few yeah. different ways to use it. Uh, I'm not sure that this really solves the cybersecurity skills gap, which is what the headline is, but at least it shows you how, you know, if, if you need one of these three, that this might be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where if, you know, you need one of those skills as part of a person, you don't necessarily have to go out and hire a full person, you know, that right. you can use you get, part, get part of part their of person. person. Yeah. yeah, you hire, you hire a, a piece of a person for that. So anyway. Good stuff. Uh, so that's the news. Let's move over to Slack Message of the Week. Uh, Andre Gata, we appreciate what you do on sponsoring the Slack Message of the Week. Each, each week, he, out of his own pocket, buys one item from the Colorado Equal Security Slack store, um, and that person gets a, a $20 item delivered directly to them. That is great. This week, the winner is uh, either Levia or Levia Nahari. Uh, talking about the Rockies DevSecOps days. So that's an event we've been talking about on the show for a week or so. Um, this is a... Uh, you know, every year DevSecOps or the, the Dev, DevOps Days event happens. And, and this is a, a really good opportunity for you to learn how do I do security in that CICD environment with a new tech stack. Um, so, Lavia, thank you for kind of highlighting the fact that this is coming up this next week and um, bringing folks to it. We're looking forward to seeing how that event goes. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, this has also happened in conjunction with RMISC in the past. So I, I think along with everything else, it has been delayed. So good to see it's finally good getting stuff. here. All right, uh, we're going to jump over to our calendar of events. We do have a, a, a calendar on the website. If you're wondering, man, when should I schedule this new event that I'm thinking about putting uh, putting together? Well, you should go out to our calendar and you can see what's coming up and make sure you're not putting it on the same day as everything else. Exactly. Uh, first, on the 28th, the ISC Squared Pikes Peak chapter is doing their October chapter meeting. On the 29th is the DevSecOps Days Rockies. That's the event we just talked about. Uh, on the... Excuse me one second. On the 4th, uh, ISSA Denver is doing their Women in Security November meeting. And I'm pretty psyched about this one, Rob. They'll let um, anyone into these meetings, won't they? They will let anyone into this, these meetings. And it's not me we're talking about. <laughs> um, two people I know are actually presenting at this meeting. They're actually having some uh, sort of breakout sessions with lots of different topics. My wife is actually presenting at this meeting. She is not a security practitioner. She is a uh, guidance counselor, but she's talking about uh, ways that you can uh, work with your kids, um, helping them cope with uncertain times using social and emotional learning techniques. Pretty awesome. Um, and also, my one of my college roommates, Shannon Hears, is uh, talking about managing anxiety in the workplace. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so both both of them are not sec are security professionals, right? They're, Neither they of both... them are security people, yeah. so these are non-security topics, but, you know, things that are good for everyone. Yeah, good stuff. I love it. Uh, final event to talk about the next couple of weeks is on the 5th. ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their online November meeting. 
All right, uh, that is it for events. Let's jump over to jobs. Rob, does Ping Identity have any jobs? Yeah, you know, the floodgates have opened for security positions recently. I have three jobs I'm looking to hire right now. First, we are, this is a new one. We're looking to hire a, a FedRAMP program manager. So if you are interested in helping Ping um, go through the FedRAMP process and um, get those FISMA controls in place, we would love to have you join the, join the team. We're also looking for a manager of GRC to help us with other compliance and uh, kind of policies and governance type activities. Uh, and third, we're looking to hire a product security engineer. So we're looking for someone with an application, uh, with a development background and a interest in security. Awesome. Uh, Enquire Solutions is looking for a VP of Information and Systems Security, CISO. Sunflower Bank is hiring an IT risk management director. Logisticare in their ongoing saga of trying to hire somebody is looking for a director of IT security governance, risk and compliance. Lumen is hiring a senior manager of information security. Snapdocs is looking for a risk and compliance manager. Cognizant is hiring a manager, information risk manager, corporate security. That's 100% remote. Ooh. Uh, Frontier Airlines is looking for a manager of IT security. And finally, in the uh, best title of the week award goes to Deloitte for hiring a cyber risk infrastructure zero trust senior manager. That is a mouthful, Rob. I wonder if you, if you put commas in different places, I think you could change this <laughs> title to be all kinds of funny things. Uh, that's a good one. Maybe next week we'll do that. Yeah. Hey, that is it for news, but hey, good news. We do have a interview this week. Yes, we do. Um, we have a, an interview with Joe Dietz. Uh, looking forward to hearing about Joe and, and what he's been up to recently. And of course, Joe is, you know, relatively, he's, he's active in the, in the security uh, Slack channel that we have, and he's also active in the community more broadly. So I'm looking forward to hearing what Joe had to say. Should be good stuff. All right. Well, that is it. We'll look forward to hearing, seeing you guys in November. It'll be November next time we record. Wow. It is hard to believe that. Hard to believe. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right. Thanks, Rob. This is Robert Wood, VP of Security at Alps Fund Services. This is Colorado Equal Security. First Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. Hi. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is Janelle, and today I'm excited to do an interview with Joe Dietz, who I consider a pillar in the security community. Um, he's a network security architect at Lumen. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. Is it uh, a great day where you're at today? Uh, it is, and as I think it's happened to Alex and Rob before, you know, there's uh, lawn mowing and, and you know, uh, blowers going on around the house, but uh, I think I can continue through it. Awesome. Good for you. You're going to power through. Good to That's right. <laughs> yeah, we may have a dog in my house too. So yeah. Um, yeah. So if we have a cat come across the screen, I get it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we met uh, about five years ago um, at a security event, um, but I don't specifically remember. I don't know if you do. Um, I, I think I do. I mean, my, uh, I think we met at, at the, the Cloud Security Alliance here in Denver. And uh, at the time, I had a few peers uh, that I was working with and in the industry just saying, hey, you know, we need to get out to some more of these uh, meetups. And, uh, you know, where I was attending ISA, ISSA, uh, the OWASP organization. And then CSA was kind of a, a new burgeoning chapter, right, in the Denver area for me back in about 2015. And I had gone to a few events. And then I think we really got to know each other and I got to know other members of the CSA um, at the holiday party, if any place else. It was kind of just one of those things to have a social. Uh, I remember saying hi to Al and Mohammed. I think Al might have been the president at the time. 
and met some other folks, Trish, Dario, they know who I'm calling out here, but uh, all great people are very supportive. And obviously Janelle was one of them. And Janelle, um, I know I listened to your podcast not too long ago and people are challenged with your last name. I know. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't see it and I don't say it. And so, yeah, do yeah. You, you want me to give you? No, I, I, I was going to try and you could tell me if I got it right. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Is it Chia? It's close. It's Chia. Chia. Or right. Right, one word. All right. One syllable. Got it. Okay, great. Yeah. Just to, just to capture that. Terrific. Yeah, hey, um, Janelle, too far, before we get too far into, I just want to do some little bit of housekeeping um, just because of employers and that sort of thing. I just got to make that kind of slide statement when I do presentations that, you know, during this uh, little chat, the comments uh, are my own, represent my own opinions and not that of my employer. So I just wanted to get that in and out of the way before we got too much farther along. Yeah, no, I definitely, I understand that. And I've heard you do enough presentations that I was kind of expecting the disclaimer. So, yeah, um, so thanks for that. So, you know, the other thing is I think some people know you as Just Joe, right? So, so who yeah. is the Just Joe? Okay. Well, I kind of use that term because um, it's, it's a little snickerty sometimes in, in that, uh, you know, one thing that's a, maybe a little intimidating about, uh, you know, doing Colorado Equal Security is we get some real, as you termed it, pillars in the community. A lot of people are quite accomplished and they have good titles or they're business owners. Um, you know, we've had lawyers on a lot of what I would call accomplished people. And, you know, I kind of sometimes uh, look at it a little bit more humble. I go, well, I've been at the same company for 20 some odd years. And, you know, I don't have a fancy title and that's okay. That's not who I'm about. Um, but great for people who are. And, you know, um, some of it was, you know, I have a big impact in our organization and in different, uh, you know, volunteer positions, but it's just as Joe. So I kind of just coined that name uh, just to kind of just, you know, you don't have to have a big title. Um, and maybe that's something we can encourage more people to participate in some of the Colorado Security uh, interviews. And I wouldn't normally have volunteered to come if someone didn't ask. Uh, and, and some of that is because, well, I'm not a CSO. Well, you know, who, who wants to hear from just Joe, right? That sort of thing. Uh, and I'm playing some word games there a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think from my perspective, I mean, I agree with you. And I think that we do tout people who are in management or who choose to go that route from a technical perspective as um, the people to interview and to look up to, but I actually really respect the technical people who try to stay technical, uh, or not try, who stay technical and really um, become the source of truth and um, the have the expertise for those really difficult technical solutions. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really like it when companies don't push technical people to become managers, but they allow them to become principles um, in their discipline, which, you know, like you said, 20 years in the industry. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and if, you know, you read my bio, or read a, read a, you know, a resume of mine, it will say I'm interested in leadership position. That doesn't say I want to be CSO. It doesn't say I don't want to be CSO, but I think as a technical person, you can be a leader. Uh, and I have a kind of an antidote about that. I have a, a peer, a younger uh, gentleman who, who said, Joe, you're a rock star when it comes to this stuff. You know all this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, 
ESG. I wouldn't have used that terminology for myself, but the context he put it in was kind of what we're talking about. He said, gee, I thought I was going to have to go into management uh, to, to be a leader, to, to make an impact in security. And he says, gee, Joe, watching you in action in some sense, that's kind of changing his mind a little bit, right? And he's kind of looking at, hey, I can do uh, uh, leadership things. I can have an impact. I can partner, collaborate with people who are in those uh, leadership managerial roles and still make an impact as someone who loves to do whatever, uh, you know, pen testing, threat hunting, uh, wh whatever your specialty is uh, that you're just passionate about. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I think that that's, that is something that, you know, to help bring up the younger generation of security professionals, right? We need to direct them in multiple directions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is, is that something that you would recommend? And how would you recommend people kind of get over the idea of having to be a CISO and be able to pick a different path that's just as challenging and rewarding? Well, you know, I think, every, I think everyone, to your point, I like that word path. Everybody has their own journey or own path. And um, I always kind of tell people who are looking to get in security, I go, I go, what do you do today? And it might be a sysadmin, they might be a DBA, uh, they might be a PM, right? That sort of thing. Um, or, or maybe they're just even an accountant and they say, how want to get involved with this? Um, I would say, take what you're doing and kind of maybe apply uh, you know, security to it, right? And, and we as, as kind of savvy or more experienced people could say, well, apply red team or blue team or purple, you know, those sort of ideas to what you do today. But I, I even kid my wife, who's kind of got a, uh, you know, accounting background. And I said, well, gee whiz, you're really good with numbers. You're really detailed. And, you know, accounting auditing, some people just love it. And that's glamorous. But I said, you know, if you did some of the right trainings, you could kind of I always call it pivot or ricochet from what you know, and you know somebody like that could make a great you know uh, QSA or something like that, right? An auditor of that type, they have to learn some new uh, skills, but they're leveraging a lot of who they are, right? Yeah, and I think it's kind of like one of the things that we talk about too is you try and turn everybody into a, some kind of security professional, at least at a little bit of a level, right? Yeah, and what I always tell people, too, is I go, you're a security professional where you are. You just have to take that mindset. You know, if you're a sysadmin and go, well, you know, okay, well, you've got the responsibility to secure and harden that system. Um, and some of this is taking the initiative to do that, right? I mean, um, it's kind of one of those things, best practices we should be doing, but taking the initiative and maybe being the leader on that system admin team that says, I'm going to be passionate about this. The next thing you know, a year or two later, the, the security team, right, that division says, wow, so-and-so has been doing a great job with that server infrastructure. Look where he took us. Um, can we get him on our team, right? So um, there's, there's ways to get there. You, you'll get noticed. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you start in security? Well, I did kind of start Gee whiz. You know, I tell people I was kind of born into telco. And, <laughs> and I say that in a sense where I'm, I'm from uh, back east. Originally, I grew up in New Jersey. And my dad worked for AT&T and specifically Bell Labs back in the day. And I kid folks, I think I've heard it on the show before, where uh, I thought an office supply company was AT&T because all the staplers and things that they can't. <laughs> That, that they don't need to know that, but yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I struggled as a young person uh, going, what's my career going to be? 
And back in the day when you had to walk uphill in snow both ways to school, um, you know, computers sounded like something where no matter what I chose to do would be interesting. So, um, you know, ninth, 10th grade, I took a class in high school and, you know, I'm going to date myself, but, you know, I'll throw a couple of gems at the people who are closer to my age. Uh, we worked on a, a PDP-8, right? And it was a paper punch machine that made noise when you hit the keys like a typewriter <laughs> and it shook and all this stuff. That's how you put your code into a machine back then. And, and it had lots of cool blinky lights and disk drives with the sizes of you know, well, I was going to say an LP, but most people don't know what an LP is anymore either. But right. okay. <laughs> so you could kind of tell Joe has more gray hair than, and, and then no hair, but yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then, you know, it kind of just went on with that. And I went to, I started with community college. So, you know, go community college folks. Yep. I, just, just as a place to start. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, so I kind of got involved with uh, in our community college. Uh, they had, uh, you know, DOS and IBM PCXTs just came out. And, you know, I volunteered to, you know, help out in the computer lab, which is really, you know, at the time, dust in the PC. <laughs> I don't want to say it was anything all that technical. Um, but uh, kind of went on from there. And then I had an aptitude for, uh, you know, just programming and that sort of thing. And then, um, you know, kind of did that, I, like I said, kind of did that pivot. I, I kind of remember reading one day about firewalling and network. And, and this is really before the internet was, you know, what we know with browsers and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I kind of had that little bug in the back of my head that says that that might be intriguing. So I slowly learned about it. Um, then back in 94, right, just yesterday, uh, at least it feels that way. Yeah, just a uh, short time ago. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I moved out here to Denver. Um, I, w I was uh, single, wanted to ski, have fun. A lot of reasons why a lot of uh, young people move out to Colorado um, and uh, got involved at the time with uh, US West. Um, and I, I got a contract as assistant admin and um, kind of after proving myself there, they were like, hey, you know, we need to kind of get on this internet thing. And, there, you know, I could tell people we were using Gopher and Mozilla and Netscape. I mean, those were the browsers of the day. So anyway, we did a fun project where I was able to bring in like the first DIA T1, that was big bandwidth back in the day, uh, for the entire organization. Um, and, and it came with support, right? We had other T1s and little labs and really smart people knew uh, how to make some of these connections, but we made it kind of accessible to the business. Right. And then uh, I tell people there wasn't much on the Internet other than uh, at the time Yahoo and probably adult material. Yeah, exactly. No, just be honest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I know. I uh, I am uh, sort of in that gray haired category with you, too. So I remember those days. And you mentioned uh, I think you either came when it was Quest or West. But I remember working in downtown when they dropped the big Q over oh. the U.S. West. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'll never forget that. I thought, you know, everyone was like, I think that, you know, the, the thing was he had to change it from us West to quest overnight. And how was he going to do that? And then the next day, the giant banner, you know, down the building. Um, so can you walk us through like, you know, what AT&T bell labs, like, I can't oh yeah, sure. Sure. 
Well, I started with U.S. West, but yeah, if you rewind probably 10 years before yeah, I started yeah, yeah. with them, it was yeah. AT&T and Mountain Bell and that sort of thing. And there may be even a couple other versions, but I'm, I'm not even that old. But yeah, <laughs> so, so I kind of started with U.S. West and I kind of take a dog leg because I kind of went over to the phone book side of the house when I was working at U.S. West. So we were decks. What, you know, uh, that, that, yeah, yeah. That, remember when we had phone books? There's I another thing to date. Right, right. That was when personally identifiable information was publicly available and, and published and you paid a lot of money to make your name big, right? That's right. That's right. So, um, uh, you know, and kind of a notable fun thing, and I still have some of the original material, uh, just kind of a keepsake um we put the first online yellow pages online i was involved with that team uh, and most of my involvement tend to be uh you know network security server architecture infrastructure that sort of thing i wasn't the guy there writing code on the back end per se i had to understand what the guys were doing but it was more tuning the servers having multiple servers you know that sort of stuff and then dex became media group and a lot of people don't know what that was but at one point the cable company and the phone company thought they could glue wires together and just become one. And TW uh, Telecom, or at least a portion of it, on Dex became media group. It didn't last real long, right? Right, <laughs> so right. That, that, was, that was maybe a couple years. Um, it was do during the dot-com boom, so people were innovative, creative, trying to do a lot of neat things there and, and create something. Um, and then Dex spun back into U.S. West. They bought them back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then shortly, very shortly after that, it became Quest. And uh, we all, you know, not, that's the, the not show years we'd rather not remember. Yeah, um, exactly. And then, you know, things turned around, I, I would say, you know, it, it wasn't overnight. Um, and we merged with CenturyLink, uh, and that seemed to be a, a really good fit. It, it's still at that time, I would say, we're, we're a telco, still a telco, right? It's a big thing. They're, right. they're moving more and more into uh, internet service provider, but that was what that business did. Um, and then, you know, the most recent, about 2017, was the Level 3 and CenturyLink uh, merger. Right, um, right. And um, that one was, I want to say, when I think I saw things turn the corner um, away from being just pure telco, right? Level three had a real passion for a uh, service provider. They had a strong practice. I think it complemented uh, a lot of uh, that corner of the business that CenturyLink had, but that wasn't CenturyLink's only for a focus. Uh, and then, you know, current day, and this is, you know, what, you know, less than a, a month ago, we announced we're, we're now Lumen. And, um, you know, my, my leadership's going to probably challenge me on this one, but make sure I get it right. But, <laughs> but the idea we have of a Lumen, disclaimer, so you're that's okay. right. That's right. So, so, you know, Lumen is that measure of light. So it kind of, it kind of moved us forward. It kind of had that fiber optic thing where we're, we're moving that. And what they did was it was kind of like ABC Corp for Google right? Google's got all these different companies, but ABC Corp's the holding corp, right? So right. Lumen's that bigger holding corp. And then we have, you know, CenturyLink proper, which was, it's, it's still, it's phone, it's telco, it's DSL. And then they've got a, a new division, I think they call it Quantum, and that's the go forward fiber optics for mainly for business, but I think you can still get it for, uh, uh, you know, residential too. So that's kind of the, the go forward as, you know, there's going to be a sunset on copper at some point, you know, right. at, at some level. Um, and then there's the rest of the business that's, you know, I'm going to say Lumen proper. Everyone's a Lumen employee, but Lumen is really that, 
hey, this is our gross part of our company, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, we, like I said, we've kind of turned the corner where it used to be the bulk of the income for the business came from, you know, phone and, and residentials type stuff. Now the bulk comes from innovative stuff coming out of Lumen. Uh, some of the more exciting stuff, and I'll let people go read, you know, Wall Street stuff on, I won't elaborate, but edge compute is our big bet going forward, and it looks very promising. So do you see your job changing a lot with this new acquisition? You know, I think uh, like many of us in security and in technology, um, that's this business's, you know, that's our bread and butter. So yeah, at, 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 at my current position, you know, what we do as network people, what we do as security people, what we do is, as, as, you know, even developers and all that to, because, you know, all the network's becoming software right now, right? right? You're right. moving towards all that. It's less about buying a router and putting it in. So I think we're really well positioned with uh, the, the talent that got the company to, to kind of, you know, you know, move the things forward. I'm excited. So, so, you know, that's one of the reasons I've stayed. <laughs> right. I've been, there, I've been there 25 years and you go, Joe, don't you get bored? You, don't you want something more challenging? Every time I even get, start to get like that, the, company does something like looming you're like oh i'm gonna hang around for this let's see where we can go well good so what what is the most exciting thing that you think is like right around the corner for 2021 mm, that's a good one um you know i think um where we're heading is probably providing like i said that edge compute which is a little bit different uh, they're they're shooting for five millisecond response time which is more akin to what you get in a traditional data center for cloud access. So imagine you had AWS five milliseconds away from, you know, your, your people versus, you know, 40, 50, 70 milliseconds away. I mean, the cloud certainly is becoming more uh, ubiquitous and uh, does have good response time, but there's some sorts of uh, types of applications that, you know, they need that like, you know, kind of feel like it's in my data center type responses. And I think they have a good play there. Uh, they're not the only ones, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, um, others, you know, Akamai, others like that, they've been trying to move content closer to you. Um, this is moving even the application close to you, not just the content. And, and so what's your role in that as a network architect? Well, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a couple of, uh, my position tends to focus more on enterprise, right? The enterprise itself, um, but we have counterparts and I do collaborate with them on uh, product infrastructure, right? And that sort of thing, as far as, uh, you know, they're building, they're doing all that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, look over the cube and say, hey, what are you guys working on? And that looks neat. And, uh, you know, we, I think we do a good sanity check of making sure we're, we're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot with uh, whether it's privacy, compliance, regulatory, or just best practices for security. Yeah. Well, and, and I have to give you a little bit of a hard time because I remember when you got your smartphone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for a long, long time, you had the flip phone. And so now you've, you've upgraded to the smartphone. Um, and so how does this new technology, um, you know, work with where we see 2021 going? Well, you know, I don't know that I have a strong answer for that, but to, to your point, I'm a late adopter in my personal life <laughs> on technology. I just like to squeeze the nickel, right? I, I was the one, I was the last one to get rid of those brick cell phones that we had back in the day. Yep. And, you know, I thought it was cool to have a flip phone. Um, but yeah, 
uh, and, and I almost bought another flip phone. You know that, right? I but know, no, I, yeah. I gave in. I gave in um, and joined uh, modern uh, technologists, if you will, in, in society. And, and I'm enjoying my smartphone. Um, very careful about my privacy on it because I know some good privacy people. And okay. uh, yeah, and I limit uh, what I do on it. And uh, but it, it is a great, flexible, convenient uh, device. You know, one thing I maybe comment on a little bit is. Uh, I, I call I call ourselves maybe moving to the cloud sometimes um, a, a cell phone culture, and, and what I mean by that, Bill, back in the day, again, this is kind of telco reference, right? There used to be pin drop commercials saying our calls were crystal clear. You're never going to get a drop call. It was all about call quality, right. and you know, let's just face it, society and and all of us have kind of just said. Eh, you know, if I get a little static because you know they're going under through a tunnel or something, as long as I can get the gist of it, it's all good, drop calls, eh, they'll call right back or they'll send me a text. You know, it's that kind of that mentality. We're okay with that where um, if the telcos had done that years ago, I want to be compensated for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, can you hear me now? I think I have more of those conversations right now than I did, you know, a couple years ago. I'm always walking around, can you hear yeah. me now? Yeah, uh -huh. so when I, when I say a culture, it's kind of like, you know, we've, we've had some recent um, I'll just say authentication outages with major cloud providers where a lot of us who, you know, count on their authentication, um, none of us were all, uh, you know, able to get into our normal data centers or anything else because we were reliant on the cloud. Right. And, and I kind of draw a parallel going, uh, well, I want to ask the community, ask themselves, are we okay with that? When the cloud's down, I mean, it's outside our control. So the boss looks at you and you go, well, the cloud's down. I can't fix it, right? That sort of thing. Um, but the entire company's down, right? Your, your right. board can't get on. Your operations people can't get on. That's like, now it's infrequent and I'm sure it's going to get better over time, right? But it's one of those things where I, I kind of tell people, it's like, you know, this, this is great. It's flexible. I'm, I'm pro cloud. Don't, don't read anything else into that. But with that, we get some things like we're okay with drop calls. We're okay if we can't get to our stuff at certain points or maybe for right. four hours or whatever. Um, it sounds like we're more accepting of that because of the other cost savings and flexibility um, that the cloud allows for us. Um, so, you know, I kind of just put some caution. I, I always tell folks, I go, don't do what everyone else is doing with the cloud. I go, make your journey to the cloud unique and, and fit your business. Because if you're doing what the other guy's doing, you're probably doing it wrong because your business isn't his, that business, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And I, and I do think that we have seen some, some major outages recently. And, you know, and over the last couple of years, there's been, you know, ones that you can kind of put a marker in it of, of, of um, data centers that have gone down or regions that have gone down. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think that part of what um, Lumen is looking at is going to help prevent any of that or help solve some of that well, problem? I sure hope so because, the, the, you know, right before the name change, there was a pretty good size outage and I think um, it was attributed to CenturyLink at the time uh, or at least some component of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, we're always going to experience them, but, you know, it's, it's kind of that loss of control a little bit, you know, and when we, everything was in our data centers, we had control of it and, you know, um, there was fewer remote workers. Oh my gosh, right, with, with COVID and everything else, I go, work at home was kind of, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, 20% of the workforce, and I'm just making that number up, I don't right. have a reference, but, right. you know, now it's 100, 
percent of the workforce uh, nearly um yeah. so uh those sort of things matter more right so uh, that's very interesting so redundancy um you know what other what other um techniques or things can we do to to reduce the the possibility of of having those outages yeah i think you i think you touched on it um you know if you can have multiple service providers uh the service providers themselves you know are like i said that edge right so instead of coming and connecting back to your corporate infrastructure you might in the future have you know nine or a dozen different edge uh you know termination spots that your company's contracted with and you hop onto the closest one right yeah. and that could be that could be regionally in in the north america or it could be uh, a global right so you know wh whether you're traveling or or you have workforce uh, internationally uh that you know then i'll have to go across the pond and get back to corporate and get their yeah. uh, resources mm -hmm. Well, kind of on that, is there any new technologies that you're excited that you're working with right now that you want to talk about? Anything well, there's a cutting edge. Yeah, well, I don't know if any of it's cutting edge because <laughs> a lot of it's not implemented well. But, uh, yeah, I am reading and researching a bit more, uh, you know, and everything because, you know, I'm involved with the CSA. It's kind of got a cloud slant. But um, micro segmentation is certainly one of them. Um, and, you know, I see that is uh, really uh, maturing technology and, and it looks like from a compliance and regulatory uh, and cloud there, there's some neat um, applications for it so you know folks haven't taken a look at that um, the, the other one is zero trust that's the, probably the big yeah. marketing thing everyone's calling you about going hey your VPN's old you need to do this new zero trust thing and you know I just again um, we're probably a little bit in the hype cycle and what I tell people is, is it was funny because some of our own people go, where do we buy zero trust and how can we, you know, resell it? <laughs> exactly. What <laughs> product I had do say, I buy? Right. And I kind of <laughs> had to say, well, zero trust is a strategy. And, and I use it. I have a slightly different definition of it. I like to call it a collection of architectures that moves us, uh, moves the needle uh, towards zero trust as that strategy, right? Zero trust. Yep kind of being that buzzword, but I think a lot of what we've been doing all the years, whether it's for, you know, identity management or our network security, all that has been kind of moving in this direction. And I think zero trust comes together and, and brings it all together. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, NIST has just, you know, come out with their uh, standards for it. So that's a good place to start if you haven't read about it a little bit. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, again, you needed to make it your own journey. Um, it's very difficult to achieve letter of the, of the definition. So what I tell people is to say, when you do a project, look at it through a zero tr trust lens and whatever you're doing, whether it's remote access or you're just, you know, deploying into the cloud or consider the principles that are in zero trust. Um, and, and see if you're hitting some of those check boxes, right? That sort of thing. Um, Cause that's where we need to go. It's not going to be easy to get there. Will we get there hundred percent? It's a tough one because zero trust says you have to monitor every network flow. You have to know where everything is. Oh boy, come on. We all struggle with just our own inventory of systems and applications in larger organizations. So um, there's a lot of work here to do. And, and the message hasn't changed. I think it's just a more holistic message. Yeah, and it sounds like it's an incremental approach, right? It's not like a giant lift and shift. It's just continuing to make those incremental improvements where you can. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. yeah. Well, um, our time is almost up. Um, I, I think, um, do you have anything to, to 
to follow up with, or I would love to know what your suggestions are for what you think people should do. Um, because I know you, you do a lot of give back to the community. Um, and so how can people give back? And then how do we get more security folks like you who are doing the hard work every day, day in and day out into, into security? Well, I think we kind of touched on it early in our uh, dialogue today. So, you know, I, I encourage people to take whatever you're doing today, whatever your job function is today, you know, start reading on security, start listening to Colorado Equals Security, uh, get involved in some of the meetups and groups like that and, and, and kind of learn. It's going to take some time and input on your own time uh, because that's not your title or job today. Um, and I always encourage folks to just whatever you're doing, um, try to put your time in and do it well, right? Because you know, like I said, I use that system admin. If you do that well, people will recognize that and all of a sudden you become the go-to person for that. And then when this other, you know, we'll just say zero trust security project comes on, <laughs> they're going to say, go grab so-and-so because he's really good at this aspect and we're going to need that component, you know, that sort of thing. Um, always encourage people to stay curious and keep learning. Um, it doesn't have to be technical, right? We got GCR, compliance, regulatory, your favorite, privacy, privacy. Right? that sort of thing. Um, volunteer, right? I, one comment I make is uh, I've presented, like many who listen uh, to RMIC, uh, you know, conferences and that sort of stuff. But the same thing, I've set up tables at Snowfrock and been totally happy with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't I mean, and, and it's kind of fun because you get really senior people and then you'll get someone who goes, I'm just getting started. I heard about Snellfrock. I, I couldn't afford it. So I volunteered and it's great. And you make a connection. And, and next thing you know, you're collaborating with someone. Um, I tell people to have the uh, service minded. Right. Kind of uh, my approach to being a leader is to serve. Right. The best way you can be a leader yep. in my mind is to serve people, even if you have a title, even if you don't have a title, um, that sort of thing. Uh, keep a collaborative mindset and obviously um, good old things like, uh, you know, a good work ethic, uh, hard work and, and keep your integrity up. Yeah, no, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and I do think that volunteering, you know, the for setting up tables and chairs, like there is, you know, a lot of the associations and even, you know, Colorado Equal Security is is volunteer and, you know, um, nonprofit. And so every little every little pitching in helps. So Absolutely. well Joe Joe, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better, um, to have a few laughs. So I wish you well, and um, thanks again. You bet. Anytime. It was a pleasure okay. being here. All righty. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.